0: This is Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. It's Saturday, October 4th, 2021. What an amazing week. We finished off the drive to get members for the Bee Science Club, and thank you if you did sign up. As of today, some 14,000 or more children have access to our um, Bee Science Club thanks to their teachers signing up. We have over a 1,000 teachers who have signed up for the Bee Science Club and also have signed up to... To get our free lesson plans so they can use our videos and concepts to help teach children about honeybees natural pollinators and the environment so you can go to wildflowerbeefarm.com and check out the bee science club Um, it was an amazing month and thank you for your uh, support Another exciting news: We're able to announce our farm sponsors. So our farm sponsor is OSRClinics.com, and it's a, and Dan and Melanie have just been a, a great supporters of what we do. I start I, I started the clinic some 30 years ago. And Dan and Melanie are young entrepreneurs, and um, Melanie is a healthcare professional, and they. Um, purchased uh, the 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 practice some years ago some five years ago and we sort of been discussing the farm and they did a walkthrough and and got excited about it and I started reaching out to different uh, companies that we uh, work with about farm sponsorship and thought well I'll just bounce it off Dan and Melanie and they jumped on it right away so they're our official farm sponsor for the next 12 months and we thank them for the support it's going to let us do a lot more on the farm and and I'm going to talk today about diversity so thanks, Dan and Melly. OSRClinics.com. They also do virtual um, assistance. So uh, for mental health and also um, a version and a variety of child assessments, including comprehensive assessments for ADHD. Just a great team and a, and a great organization who gets it. So let, let's. Uh, by the way, they also have a four-day work week for everyone, and they take great care of their staff. So it's an amazing organization to uh, check into if you or your family need some assistance. When I looked at the the research here on the farm and the data we've been collecting, it it became apparent when I started to trace back, you know, where did I get these hives when I started? And I realized very quickly that through um, my one supplier through another, they pretty much came from the same farm uh, or the same provider. And so with regard to genetic diversity, I didn't really start my 30 hives with as much genetic diversity as I probably needed to to truly carry out the Darwinian be black box technique so what i've done is i've talked to providers in saskatchewan of queens and they've agreed to ship me some queens in the spring i went to blp honey in dresden yesterday and was able to secure 10 hives now those 10 hives are going to be used not for the queens but for the workers to take care of the saskatchewan queens that i'll be bringing in uh, from saskatchewan we're going into the winter with uh, approximately 10 of our own hives which i'm surprised there's that many uh, given the the issues we had over the summer with queen clap just queens just didn't make it we had some um, real problems with queens and some of the bizarre behavior we saw with our bees so we're excited about that we have um pretty strong hives the other day it was it was it was really a lot of fun it it warmed up to be about 13 degrees and the bees were taking cleansing flights, and, and you know I'm really proud of some of the hives that are just uh, look like they're going into the winter quite strong. But again, you never know. We may come out of the winter with one or two or no hives, but we're going in with 10. If we can come out with five or six, the plan in the spring would be then to uh, split those or do what's called... Um, it's, a, it's a type of swarming that you do where you actually... And I've talked about it, and I'll talk about it more as we get closer to the spring. You basically take out frames of of um of bees that have uh, larvae and eggs and then move them to another uh, box or environment and the bees will quickly start creating a new queen if they're queenless and that's how you basically split a hive and we'll be doing the no look split and we'll also be doing some uh, more intentional splits so that we can continue to expand the bees that survive and in hopes of continuing to use this technique on the farm so that's that's very exciting news that, that we're able to talk to the folks in Saskatchewan. Remember, in Saskatchewan, there, there's two types of bees. There's another type of bee called uh, Saskatraz bees that um, I'm really looking into. My little concern is some of them are said to be actually from Saskatchewan, but actually... Um, propagated in in the united states california so i'm not really wanting that obviously um but i'm going to be talking to them some more for sure we've secured 10 queens from saskatchewan and i'll be looking at a few others to continue to propagate what we do here on the farm so the genetic analysis really tells me as i go through and look at the the bees that have survived and and now i have to start looking at all the documentation which is quite quite in depth is to look at just you know, can we get some signs and symptoms from this and see maybe location on the farm? And so far, of course, there's no clue. Um, the, the big issue we had this past, so what, how did we get from 30 to 10 hives? I believe a big part of it was queen failure. And also, uh, many of the bees seem to not know what to do because they weren't given all that human interference. And just as bees are able to, to evolve and, and take care of themselves, if we leave them alone when we don't leave them alone, I think they lose that ability um, to be able to do that. So hopefully over time, as we continue to practice this technique, we're going to be able to um, have bees that can survive and tolerate mites and all the other things that happen to them. So this week coming up is going to be interesting. I'm going to be going out again if we get any warm days and we're doing some more videos for the Bee Science Club. And, um, and taking um, you know stock of what we have out there. We're seeing a, a great deal more wildlife activity with coyotes and other uh, animals who are moving through the property. So the, the place is still buzzing, even though it looks quiet with the, with the winter and, and the bees pretty much huddled up. The other debate I had, and this is one that I know uh, beekeepers talk about and people talk about, is what do you do with a hive when that hive is now, um, there are no bees living there? And, you know, when you think about what happens in nature, and you know, we've gone through that discussion where, where in nature, you know, when bees move out, other things move in. Wax moss followed by perhaps wasps, followed by perhaps mice, and then followed by a new batch of bees. And there seems to be something about the weathering of a hive. I don't think we've ever had a hive move into a freshly made hive or um, chosen to move into one when they swarm. So. I made the decision to leave the hives spread out over the property so that they would weather properly and also in the spring we'd go through and you know make sure they're habitable and then leave them open to either use in our splits or to use for other swarms to come and move in so that's sort of a different strategy before that a year before before we started this technique we'd bring them all in if we lost them clean them up put them under wraps so nothing could get at them and then put them back outside so um, it just doesn't make sense that if you know in in the wild, when a bee leaves a uh, beehive, leaves a log hive or a natural hive, you know no one takes that tree inside. They just sort of leave it out there and let the process continue. And I think there's something about that for the bees to be able to feel comfortable when it's the right time to move into a hive. The other question I had is none of the two. I made two real um, you know cavities inside living trees, and I think part of the issue there was. I think it takes time for the for that wood to sort of cure around it and one was a willow tree and i think it may be there may be too much moisture there and the other was a uh, red maple that already had an existing internal sort of compartment and i just simply cleaned it out and, and and played with it a bit so we'll see what happens this spring with those two compartments as well i'm hank for the wildflower bee farm you have an amazing week and i look forward to talking to you soon